One of the things that I'll do for animals is do what we call an emotional release. Ooh, the, the first go there. Time, I want to hear about this. The first time I heard it and saw one of those done, I was like blown away. I didn't know that you could actually release emotions in animals. Mm. In business, you want to consistently attract incredible people, grow at an accelerated rate, and create a unique competitive advantage. The goal, it isn't to just be the best, but is to be the favorite, the favorite in the eyes, the mind, and the heart of your customer. To stay competitive in today's world, you want to build a business where people want to come to work and where they have a chance to be great at doing what they love the most. And you accomplish that by leading through values. Because when you lead through values, people excel, profits increase, and your brand becomes more human. Now make sure you download your free guide at leadthroughvalues.com. I'm James Mayhew, your Chief Culture Officer, and you're listening to Lead Through Values. Hey everyone, this is James, your host and Chief Culture Officer, and today on Lead Through Values, this is a really special day for me because my guest today has known me my entire life. And she is my sister, Barb Fox. Now, of course, I'm a little partial here, but Barb is one of the most talented and intelligent people I know. And we are going to talk about the emotional bond that we have with our pets and how she helps her clients provide for their greatest quality of life. Now, I can't wait to hear more about Barb's drive and her values that guide her to being one of the top animal wellness consultants in the country. Before we begin... This podcast is made possible by my training and coaching business, James Mayhew Consulting. Now, everything that I do is about helping my clients build culture, improve communication, and boost engagement. And to do that, I lead ongoing in-person and virtual trainings to give my clients the tools to build high-performing teams. We cover everything from feedback, setting expectations, accountability done the right way, pitfalls of leadership, and how to really understand what makes each person exceptional. Now, you can learn more about all of this by going to my website, jamesmayhew.com, and that's where it talks right there about Accelerate. So, Barb, before we even introduce you, I want to jump in with a word, and that word is medicine. And I want you to kind of explain your approach to veterinary care. Like, what is medicine to you? And how is it, how do you do different? Well, James, I think that's a really good question. James, um, wait a minute. You know I'm Jim. Okay. <laughs> it's totally good. <laughs> See, we're going to have fun today on this right, podcast. I'm right. not cutting that out at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Jim, um, medicine in the conventional term means to most people, pharmaceuticals yeah. and surgery and drugs and um, I have taken a different approach in my practice to incorporate natural treatments for animals because mm. pharmaceuticals, are they have their limitations. And so does medicine as far as surgical medicine and that kind of thing goes. Um, so, But a lot of people, when you say medicine, they're thinking of that pill or that shot that can be given to bring about positive um result in an animal. Sure. Yeah. Right. And, um, I, I have come so far in learning about what we should be doing to take care of our animals, the way God or nature intended us mm -hmm. to take care of them. Uh, and that means like feeding them a diet that is good for them, what they would normally eat out in nature, not processed dry kibble food that for an example, um, I also look at the emotional and the mental aspect of the animal because they are a mind, body, spirit entity, just like humans are. You know, that's that to me right there is what really, truly does set you apart. And you used a word with me a little bit ago, you just, and it's intuitive. You have high intuitive talents, right? I think I do. Um, I, a lot of times I can look, even though I've never taken any formal animal communication classes or courses, I can sometimes just sense what an animal is feeling. And um, clairvoyance, I'm not sure even what, you know, if I'm talking about that, but I, I know when they're feeling, when their emotions are 
for example, I can tell when an animal is scared. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think most people can just by their body language and their demeanor. But I mean, I actually feel it in my body. Mm-hmm. And um, when a, an animal is grieving or if they're scared even of their handler, their caretaker, um, oftentimes people mistake that for an abnormal behavior or what I should say an undesirable behavior when it's actually what they are sensing. Hmm. And I feel that. Hmm. Um, I think it's a real gift. Hmm. At times, it's heart-wrenching, too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I know you have. We could spend hours talking about stories on that. Um, but before we go any any further, I probably should just have you kind of tell... Well, we're getting a picture of who you are, all right? And I know very well. Yet, I would like you to kind of explain maybe what you do different... Um, uh, what drives you maybe to to be that different kind of uh, veterinarian? Oh, that's a great question because I have the um, perfect answer for that. I had my own health scare. I had a life-threatening, well, i just tell you, I had a cancer scare back in yeah. 2007, and you're very aware of that. Mm-hmm. And we had seen our mom die mm-hmm. um, three years or four years prior to my diagnosis from uterine cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, it was a very aggressive type of cancer and long story short, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, Jim, but just for the audience to understand that I was so scared of the disease treatment that after seeing our mom go through what she went through, that I decided there was no way I was going to take the conventional, right. I was not going to go the conventional route. It scared the bejeebies out of my husband, Gary, because, um, his mom died of breast cancer, and we'd only been married three years when I had that diagnosis. So going through all of the research and stuff that I did to find out, could I actually treat my body without chemo and radiation and survive it? So I started looking at everything I could, YouTube videos, books I read, um, people I talked to, and I'm finding out people were actually surviving cancer without going through that. But most of the people, I, I should say probably 99.9% of those people had a pit bull type determination to live. Mm-hmm. And some people that didn't survive it were just like, oh shoot, it's it's my... Um, it's inevitable. It's, it's exactly. my destiny that this it, is going right. to be my demise. Right. <clears throat> and I said, heck no, right. I'm not going there. I had too much life in me. My, I just found the love of my life. We were mm-hmm. married three years. I, I didn't want to give up. Mm-hmm. And so going through all that I did, the research, how I could get my body better um, through diet, exercise, stress reduction. I mean, I had gone through a really bad marriage, a horrible marriage, I should say. And um, it all plays a factor. And then when I started to find that those things like fibromyalgia, severe allergies, acid reflux. Um, I had a, I had a boatload of stuff that was mm. going on physically. And I just thought that was part of the aging process. Mm. And then when things that, um, I started doing made those things fall off by the wayside, I'm like, wow, this really works. And, uh, that was back in 2007. And I have only, I, I, I've only gone back to the doctor once for, for uh, my post-surgical treatment. And what I had surgically was not a mastectomy. I had the lump removed. Mm -hmm. And that was the only thing that I had medically done. Um, The other was seeing a chiropractor, reflexologist, massage therapist, and doing all the right things that you normally would, common sense things to stay healthy. And then when I saw my body get better, I'm wondering, oh my gosh, can I do this with the animals? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking... What what would happen if I could do the same thing with animals and then make them better without all the chemicals and the medications and drugs? Mm-hmm. Um, I joined the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association, and I started going to classes on different things um, holistically, like you know, essential oil, aromatherapy, um, learned more about nutrition for my animal patients. And so it has been a breath of fresh air. And I would not be here today doing what I'm doing if it had not been for my own health scare. Mm. I would still be a conventional veterinarian prescribing drugs, medication, and surgery. And so 
why I'm telling everybody this, there are other ways. And when we look at our animals and we know that we can do things more naturally for them, it's just kind of like a a no brainer for me. But we also have to remember like what sets, you asked me what sets me apart from other veterinarians. When you go into your, your regular veterinarian's office, usually they look at a symptom, say like your dog has a a smelly, stinky ear, and he's been scratching at the ear a lot. Yep, seen that before. Right. Okay, and the veterinarian examines the ear, maybe does a swab, and then prescribes an ear medication or maybe an antibiotic. Mm -hmm. And then you're out the door. And it tends to not work. Yeah, right. Because It might clear it up for a short time. That's That was our experience, is it might fix it short term, but then it's back. Do you know why, Jim, it came Mm, back? Not for sure, no. Okay, because we have to figure out what caused the ear to go bad in the first place? Mm. Was, well, it a, sure. was it a food sensitivity? And that's what you was, meant by common sense. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Um, so we look at the whole, I look at the whole animal. I don't just look at the ear. I look at the skin. I'll examine the entire animal from head to toe. I'll ask if there have been any emotional upsets or any chaos. Like a lot of times people have moved into a new house. Maybe there's carpenters and construction going on. It's very stressful for the animal. And stress, we all know, even with humans, that it brings on illness and disease. Mm -hmm. So we have to find out, or at least I I try to find out, and most holistic veterinarians do this, is that they will look at the entire body, the entire environment, how the animal feels emotionally, and then put the pieces of the puzzle together. Let's use that same example, Jim, and we're talking about that goopy, stinky ear that that dog has. It could be physical from like a narrowed ear canal and water gets and and humidity gets trapped in there. And then you get an overgrowth of yeast and bacteria that's normally in the ear. But oftentimes we have to look at, is there a food sensitivity? Because there is a real correlation between allergies to food or sensitivities to a certain ingredient in processed food that may be setting that off. I also look at the vaccine schedule. Because they're also, even though mainstream veterinary medicine would never admit this, there is a correlation between ear infections and um, um, vaccines. Okay. I mean, and, and like I said, it's, it's difficult to prove, but a lot of times um, if we upset that immune system with over-vaccinating or vaccinating too frequently, um, then what happens is we get that immune system that says, uh, we're overworked here, guys. We need a break. And then other diseases set in. Even an ear infection can be a uh, part of that. Okay. So, you know, we, we were talking earlier, too, about the intuitive nature that you have. You know, the uh, it's um, I always think of, like, the movie The Horse Whisperer. And I know you have a very, very special connection to horses um, in particular. Um, the... When you're working with a pet, um, I, I mean, the intuition isn't just about the animal. I think you're probably picking up special little nuances from their caregiver too. What do we call them? The pet parent, mm-hmm. you know, right, you're, the you're pet pick, parent. yeah, mm-hmm. you're picking up those things from them as well. Right. Right. Absolutely. So what right. are, what are those things that you might, you might observe? Jim, they're kind of like mirrors of us, a mirror Okay. Um, where if we have something going on with us and we're not resolving that because of the bond, that mm. energetic, uh, what we call the energy entanglement between the human and the animal, then oftentimes the animal will either take on what we are suffering from as a protector to us, or they are definitely affected by our energy That's too. That's incredible. Yeah. And here's a, a really good example. Um, I don't know if it's a good example, but it was a more profound example when I was working at um, a small town not too far from here. A little guy, a a guy brought in, he's a big guy, actually, brought in this little Yorkie. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, this dog is just always sitting there wanting attention from me. And it just, I don't know what's going on. It's driving me crazy. And so he sat in a chair. The little dog was at his feet. And the little dog would get up there and, and start to paw at his leg. And he would in, immediately reprimand it very sternly, like, stop it now. Mm-hmm. And then the dog would cower. And I'm a, if, if I could have felt what was going on, I mean, I did feel what was going on sure. in that little Yorkie. And that, it, tears. Mm. I mean, it was crying. Um, all it wanted was acceptance for 
from that just person, love. just yeah. love. And yeah. when the dog was reprimanded, and, and so that dog did not live a very long life. And I think truly in my heart, it was because there was so much emotional turmoil. Um, and if that person would have just said, or, or allowed that, that man would have just allowed that dog to seek that attention and give it the love and the affection when it needed it, it probably would have lived longer. Can we talk about end of life stuff? Sure. Because I think you have, I, I've seen some of your, um, your, your online trainings that you do and there's a module about end of life stuff and mm-hmm. it really hit home with me because in, uh, we had a beautiful golden retriever that you remember. His name was Riley. Right. And, uh, we adopted him when he was seven months old, purebred one of, I, he, I just bonded with that dog. I, I had a very, very deep emotional connection to him and we had to put him to sleep. We, we put him to, down. Um, he had. Uh, some nerve dis or, uh, atrophy in mm-hmm. particular in his, in his head area. But it was, um, I don't know, I think he made it till 11 years old. I and thought he was 12. Maybe he was yeah. 12, mm-hmm. but um, you know, it was time. And uh, we took him to the vet. Um, and uh, I th- that was 2011, 2011. That's, man, that's, that's a long like 10 time. years ago now. Wow. And it devastated me. And I was there with him and you talked about in your training that our emotions are so intense and they know it that they'll hold on because they love us. And that was a, when you told me that and I was thinking back or I heard you say that and I'm thinking back to Riley, man, I, I almost own that I made it harder. You know, it, I was a mess like it's making my tears come to my eyes right now remembering mm-hmm. the intensity of that mm-hmm. so can you explain to to the listeners um and i love this because this is a values conversation right here what it's like at end of life for a pet it's natural for them right so jim i can just tell you that animals do not have the same dread about dying that humans do in fact some animal communicators have told me that it's actually an honor to have been eaten by a predator or something. They just, they don't have that fear. Hmm. They, they live in the present where we're always either in the past, it seems like, or in the, in the future. Okay. And we're always worrying about what's going to happen. Animals don't have that. They're just live for the moment. And when it's their time to leave, they know intuitively that their purpose has been fulfilled. And that they're going on to a different dimension or the afterlife or heaven, how, whatever you want to call that. Sure. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but it's the humans that live with so much guilt. And I talk to people about this all the time. Yesterday, for example, when I worked at a clinic in, in a larger town about an hour away, I had to put an animal to sleep late in mm-hmm. the afternoon. It had come in and couldn't walk. And it was, heart rate was super high heavy breathing. We'd done x-rays and that was inconclusive. But when we did the blood work, it showed that this dog had multi-system organ failure. Oh boy. And, um, like the glucose, yeah. And the glucose was like 654. I've never seen an animal with a glucose level that high. The liver had failed. The pancreas was not working and this dog was suffering greatly. And Mm. here again, with my empathy, um, you know, being able to feel this, I knew this dog was ready to go, but the owner was not ready to let go. And so this dog suffered for another two or three hours until she could make the decision to put it to sleep. And I really had to encourage her. I said, this dog is suffering. He's dying and we need to get him away from that pain and Mm. so on. And she just said, I I'm so guilty. I feel so guilty. And I said, you know what? That is a totally normal feeling. Mm-hmm. People think they do not want to make that decision. They want their animal to fall asleep and not wake up mm-hmm. and not have to make that decision because, mm-hmm. and I don't like making it either. I've had to put my own animals to sleep. Mm-hmm. But when I understand what, that, that their purpose is done, their life is done, it's actually the most humane thing and it's an honor to their life to give them that humane passing. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. And yet it's still hard. It right? is. It like, hurts. It I, does. So, you know, when we, when we, uh, we had a second dog then, and I think it was a year and a half or so later that, uh, I, and I wasn't as close to, to Tinker 
Stinky. We called him Stinky Dog because he stunk. But, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we also had to, to go through that process. And then it was, um, I looked at Beth and I said, I don't know that we can ever do this again. I don't know that I want to put myself in this spot again. I, my heart was broken over Riley. And then Nick, our youngest, found a pup. And uh, that's Marley. And, yeah. and you know Marley well. Mm-hmm. And, and I fell in love with Marley, even though he's not my dog. He's not my grandpuppy, you know. And so um, that kind of re, I, th- I think that reminded us of the joy that pets bring to to our homes, to our lives, to our families. And I, I love dogs, but we also have cats, you know. Um, and, and I can find that same thing with a kitty cat. But there's something special about a dog uh, that, that I have found. And um, so that led Beth and I to, to adopt last, last fall. So, but I... When, I, when you talk about the emotion and the intuition and all this connection, the special bond that we have, like, all right, let's talk about not the end of life, but let's talk about the, you know, what have you observed? Like you, you're a horse person when you see them thriving. What is, what is that? Like, let's compare and contrast that to like the end of life thing where it's this release and it's heavy, but what about the joy they bring to us? Oh my gosh. Isn't it great, Jim? I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, and you know that I had the three Arabian horses and I actually wrote a book on this called the infinite bond. Yes. And when, and when stormy, my heart horse and, and what I mean by a heart horse or a heart dog or a heart cat is that you might love all of your pets, but there's one that you have this incredibly special bond with. Absolutely. And I had that with Stormy. And when he passed um, from Cushing's disease, when I was leaving, well, you know, I was <laughs> you with were, you. you were with I was me, the one I, that inadvertently out. told you. Right. Mm-hmm. It was weird. We don't have to go into the details right. of that. But <laughs> no. I, I just saw you, like, I was like, I turned to Beth and I said, uh, that wasn't good. I, I thought it was somebody else's horse and it was Barb's. Yeah. And uh, it was a Facebook post, how yeah. we found out. Yeah. Anyway, because my husband didn't want to tell me that night because he knew that I was at this um, awards banquet. We yeah. were at this awards banquet yep. and we he didn't want to spoil any of, of our evening. Anyway, I, I remember crying till about 1 a.m. Hmm. that night. I couldn't even function. I had to call one of my friends and talk to her because she's a horse lady too. And it was, it tugged, I mean, it was terrible. Um, and, and I'm like, I didn't expect Stormy to die. Mm-hmm. I knew he had some health issues, but, um, he, my husband said he probably just, you know, it looked like he had a heart attack mm-hmm. and died before he even hit the ground. Um, and every time Jim, now this is weird, but every time I would go into the area of the pasture where his body had fallen to the ground, I would feel this intense, intense emotion, and I would just start crying like a baby, mm. just crying. I could feel Stormy's presence there, and um, it, it, you know, over over time, that was that was quite a few years ago. But over time, or with time, I should say, it's gotten easier. But now, since I've had to put my own animals to sleep, I've had to put cats to sleep. I've had to put um, my other two horses down. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a little easier as I realize that what they have brought to our lives, the joy, the love, the affection, you know, just that. Companionship. Exactly. Oh, it's so amazing. Yeah. We have two horses right now. Um, Chaser's 14 and he's retired because of a leg injury he had and I rescued him from euthanasia and we have a 33-year-old horse named Pal Mm -hmm. and I don't ride them. I still get tremendous joy from them mm-hmm. just being in their presence. And this is what animals bring to people, to what they do for humans, is that they fill sometimes a void. Mm. They, they can bring us um, unconditional love. They're not going to sit there and say, oh, you left your underwear on the floor. How did, why did you do that? You know, I mean, they're, they're just there for us. And that's the really cool part. But, you know, and I've seen that before with, for, for me because it's been through dogs, you know, mm-hmm. where you have that that heart connection and the joy that they bring. Like I love taking our dogs on walks. When I was young, it felt like another thing I had to do. So we weren't really great about that. You know, we just weren't disciplined with it. But now um, I'm at a different spot in my life. I have a different attitude, a different outlook. 
I'm self-employed, which like makes things easier, you know, um, sort of, (laughs) sort of not, but, um, you know, I absolutely love taking them and we take them over to a field where there's just ground squirrel holes after, you know, and that's their funnest part of the day. And just to watch them have fun and excitement and run around and, then they want to lay down in the shade. So now we're taking, since it's warmer, we take a water bowl with them and they get a drink of water and you can just see how happy they are. And it's, there's something that's just full, so fulfilling. Oh yeah. I mean, when we, when Gary and I sit out on the porch at night, our outdoor cats, we, we mm. live on a farm, so we've got outdoor cats yep. and they put on a show for us. <laughs> Climate. They they go up the tree as fast as they can. They get into mock fights. Sure, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's just all for our entertainment. I thought that used to be a coincidence, and I've seen it so many times now. I'm like, oh, yep, showtime. Mm. Here we go. Yeah. Everything that we've been talking about, from you know, end of life through like making us happy and bringing joy into our lives. How has all of this helped you be a better veterinarian? Boy, that's a good question, Jim. Let me think on that. I think that what I tend to focus on is not as much non-invasive care for Mm -hmm. them as possible. In other words, um, I don't like to give a bunch of injections. Mm -hmm. So there is one product that I use in our horses, and they're coming out with an oral version. But this is just a small example. Um, This product works very well. It's a totally 100% organic joint supplement that I inject into the horse's neck. And it goes Hmm. into all of their joints and it helps them, you know, move better and and not have any pain. But I don't like giving shots. The horses don't like the shots. I mean, they don't fight me on it, but it's the the invasiveness of a needle. Hmm. And I only do things for my animals that I feel is the... Well, just the least invasive. Sure. Yeah. Even acupuncture. Now I've, I've, you know, we were, I was at a seminar where we actually got to acupuncture ourselves, like stick a needle in our, um, oh, wow. yeah, in ourselves. Okay. And it didn't hurt, but I'm just looking at that going like, um, it's not, it's natural. not for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's not, it's not for me. Now yeah. acupuncture is great for a lot of people and a lot sure. of animals. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Um, now some of the therapies that I'm using is totally non-invasive. Like right now with your knee, your sore knee, mm-hmm. you have an energy, a vibrational energy mat mm-hmm. and it's made of crystals. Mm-hmm. It's made out of, um, copper and silver also has some essential oil mm-hmm. aromatherapy products in there as well as flower essences. Hmm. But the crystals are the things that really provide that energy. Mm-hmm. And so you're not plugged into anything. There's no battery with this thing. Right, but it's right. all products from nature that mm-hmm. were utilizing their own energies. It's what we call a very subtle energy field. Mm-hmm. And that brings about healing. These are the th- types of things that I like because I, um, I like to do, like I said, things that don't hurt, mm-hmm. things that feel good to our animals and things that they intuitively know will help them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's my, yeah, you've talked a lot about that over the years. They're drawn to, I know you use a lot of uh, aromatherapy. And so when we show a dog, uh, in essential oil, like you don't try to force it on them, you open it and let them come to it. Right. You know, uh, there's so many like Again, it's the intuitive stuff. Right. The animals know what they need. And that's why that they. some people say, I just spent $50 on this bag of prescription food for my dog because of whatever issue it has. And the and, dog hates it. Right. <laughs> hate it. Yeah. The dog knows it's probably not the best thing for it. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying not to give prescription foods ever, but I'm just saying that um, that's not what a dry kibble is not what a dog or cat is designed to eat, especially cats. Did you know that, Jim, that they should not eat dry kibble? Hmm. Because their physiological system, their urinary tract system, is physiologically not able to handle um, uh, lack of water. And Hmm. so cats, like... The theory is that our domestic cats evolved from the desert cats. That's a theory. Okay, sure. And so being on the desert, they would get most of their moisture through their prey. Sure. And so if you've got barn cats, we've never really had any problem with urinary tract infections in our barn cats because they're out hunting. Mm -hmm. They also get food, but I try to give them wet food rather than dry. Um, But if a kitty is in the house and it's never hunting and it's not getting a lot of exercise, 
and is eating dry kibble is always in a constant state of dehydration. Hmm. And this is why my theory, along with a lot of other holistic veterinarians, is that um, because of their being dehydrated so much, it creates a lot of stress on that urinary tract. So people will spend a lot of money on their pets. Yes. They will spend money on... um, What's the best dog food mm-hmm. or cat food or horse food, I suppose? Um, I suppose horses are different, but they'll spend a ton of money on um, taking them to a specialist like Iowa State University. Um, maybe that is for you know some type of surgery or maybe it is because of some other thing that's going on. They'll spend a lot of money. Now, I've had friends tell me how much they had spent on ear medication Right. For a very chronic, you know, infection, mm-hmm. ongoing thing, and it never really corrected. And I'm looking at them going, you need to speak to my sister. <laughs> and because she is going to probably consult completely different on this, she's probably going to ask you a whole bunch of questions that you may have never been asked before. I mean, that's t- just kind of talk about what that process is like. Right. Well, I think, Jim, the nutrition is the foundation of all good health. It works for us that way. It works for the animals the same way. If we ignore nutrition and the animals are deficient, and I got to back up here for a second and just say, um, I make it super simple. In fact, I had some courses called Purely Simple. Yeah, they're great courses. Because if an animal is out in the wild, is out in nature, it'll kill, let's say we've got a dog that kills a rabbit. It's going to eat some of the fur because that's inevitable when they break into the animal's carcass. They're going to eat the raw bones to crunch them up for the calcium. Mm. They're going to eat the viscera, which is the intestinal contents, because that's where they're getting live enzymes from. They're eating the muscle meat, and they don't worry about a balanced diet. Right? It's it's kind of like balance happens over time, but maybe they eat more viscera than they do meat, the muscle, or maybe sometimes they'll eat more muscle than they just kind of intuitively know. Hmm. And then I hear a lot of veterinary nutritionists, especially the board certified ones, saying that you should never feed like a homemade diet or a raw diet because you, you risk too many nutritional imbalances and you need to consult with me. Well, I'll tell you what. I don't eat a balanced diet every day. I know you don't. Mm. My cats probably don't. My horses don't eat a totally balanced, 100% complete diet every day because there's no way to have that. What I mean by that is, like, if you've got a horse that's exercised heavily one day, it's going to need different nutrition than the horse that's standing outside Mm. and and being a backyard horse. Sure makes sense. Right. If you run a marathon and I'm sitting in my office behind a chair, you have a totally different nutritional Uh, need profile at that time so it balances out over time we can't put everything into a one-size-fits-all and that's where I think the conventional medicine conventional veterinary medicine paradigm is it's we can't just put everything into mold so originally in the very first part of this podcast you asked me how I set myself apart what I do is I empower people I empower the animal caretaker to take care of that animal and make sure that they feel comfortable with it without a lot of intervention from the veterinarian. In other words, it'd be the same way with my doctor. I want to know how to take care of my body. My doctor doesn't live with me. I live with my body. Your animals live with their body. Their veterinarian doesn't. And if I put everybody into one size fits all mold, I am not doing my job. Does that make sense? Oh, that's, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me because I kind of revolt, reject the idea of a formulaic solution to everything. I always reject that because it it doesn't work that way. And you and I, like we get into a strength finder conversation, but we both have a talent called individualization, which Mm -hmm. just means that we are um, able to pick up nuances. Not everything is cookie cutter. And and you and I, neither one of us believe in that stuff. I want to ask you about values for a second though, Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but what are some of the values that guide you in your practice? I have a conscience. My conscience does not, my conscience does not revolve around revenue. Mm-hmm. Okay. I put the animal first at all times. In fact, I have declined treatments. Say like, um, an, an animal has to have a rabies vaccine or a distemper vaccine to be boarded. Yeah. But they're 15 years old and they've got some cancerous tumors on it. Mm. By law, 
I'm supposed to vaccinate that animal. That's when I have that heart-to-heart con- or conversation with the animal caretaker, the pet parent, and I say, I can do harm to your animal by giving it a vaccine when it already has these health issues. Because that's what vaccines actually, Jim, I don't know if you knew this, but the, on the insert that the veterinarians are supposed to read before they inject, mm-hmm. it says immunization of healthy animals only. Mm. So any animal with a health condition, autoimmune especially, should not be vaccinated until that, if that condition can be resolved. That's where I have the ethical decision. And this is what I mean by integrity. Yeah, I, I dig deep into my heart and going, do I cause potential harm to that animal? Or do I look at the government laws, the governmental laws and say, well, what do I do? I don't want to ha- cause harm to the animal. Does that make sense? That's okay. beautiful. No, that because people that are listening who don't know you, I see the specialness. I see the uniqueness. That conscience, that is amazing. Like I love the way you describe that. So I, what, what are some other values then? Well, another thing, Jim, um, what was along with do no harm is that I look at the animal and I put their needs and their cares first over the client's. I've actually had a client come or come to me with an animal that he wants euthanized. Mm. And I can look at the animal in the eye and going, no, that animal's not ready to go yet. Mm. And I'll have to make that decision. Do I honor the animal? Do I honor the client? Mm. And 100% of the time, I'm going to honor the animal. I have refused to euthanize an animal based on what I'm seeing with that, or if I think it's somewhat convenient for the owner not to see, you know, like to, to care for the sure. animal. Um, I've also had the other talk where I've actually sat down and had the hard conversation and been very firm in saying this animal's life is over. Like I said, with the yeah. example yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, too many times, I'm putting my foot in my mouth here, but veterinarians listen to the client. They may not want to lose the client for the income, or they may feel just pressured to honor that client. Well, for example, if, if we're going on vacation, we need to board our dog for a week. That means we have to get these certain shots updated. That's where that conflict then can enter. Correct. I get that. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, just for an example, I, I, Uh, Talk to people about hiring somebody to come in and take care of the animal in the house. So animals, I'm like dogs and cats, cats especially hate to be boarded. Um, It's very noisy in some of these boarding facilities. Mm. Now there's some really nice ones like that one in Colorado that we've been to, that Uray Dog Company. That's amazing because they get turned out four or five times a day. They have little individual, almost like looks like apartments there. Uh But for the most part, like say in a veterinary clinic, they're in a steel cage or in a steel run with concrete. And they're around a bunch of strange dogs that are barking like crazy. In fact, we uh, the the people usually have to wear ear protection in there. And you think about a dog that's in for two or three days or even a week or more. That's got to be stressful on them. And um, so there's where I go. Like, do what you can to make the animal. Think about your animal, not your own convenience. All right. So let's, let's transition and then we're going to wind down. But this is a hard topic, okay? Yeah. You have been called in by local law enforcement on um, essentially rescues like because of massive neglect or you know hoarding of animals and can you can you describe some of the I'm not asking for necessarily the gory details of what you've seen I don't think we care about that but what we want to know is is there hope for those animals what happens Jim do you mean hope for those animals after they're rescued yes physically or well, what? Okay, we know physically we're taking them out of a very, very bad situation. So if they're malnourished, they're going to get food, right? Mm-hmm. If they've been abused, though, uh, or obviously neglect is a form of abuse, but if they've been physically abused or chained out or whatever, animals, I'm thinking of dogs in particular right now. I'm focusing on a dog. They can have forms of PTSD, right? Absolutely. And this is one of the things that I'll do for animals is do what we call an emotional release. 
Ooh, the, the first go there. Time, I want to hear about this. The first time I heard it and saw one of those done, I was like blown away. I didn't know that you could actually release emotions in animals, mm. but we're really no different. But the, but I think there's an underlying thing here that's probably eye opening for some, and then that's just the recognition that. And you said it early that animals do have emotions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they do. They have fear. They have, um, you know, um, excitement, enthusiasm, excite- and love. Yeah, joy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, love. I mean, the whole gamut of, of emotions that we go through, yeah. they go through as well. But going back to the rescues, um, I've been on some very awful ones where we have not been able to save the animals, mm-hmm. especially horses that are so malnourished. They're they're weak and they um, can't even walk or they can't even stand up. Um, those are extreme cases, but those happen. Most of the time, we've got some beautiful rescues around the country, and even in Iowa here, we've got nice places, um, sanctuaries for horses, mm, yeah. dogs, and cats. And um, those animals, though, really, I think, more after the physical needs have been taken care of, they need to have that um, spiritual um, purging of all the past traumas because there's science behind what we call cellular memory, where the emotions are, are stored in the cells. Mm-hmm. And okay. if we yep. trap those or our animals are trapped in, they have those memories trapped, you can't heal physically. Or it would be you know, the same thing as a person like myself going through a horribly bad marriage for 20 years and having the cellular memory trapped and then developing cancer. Mm. They say, now when I say they... The scientists, the experts who studied this, totally believe that all physical disease manifests itself as a thought or an emotion. Hmm. And when it's not dealt with, it comes in as as an illness or an, even an injury. It, interesting, isn't it? It is. And we can we could do another podcast just on that topic. Yeah, <laughs> so I you won't can get see the that. gears turning behind my eyes, I think, right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So there's hope for them, though. This there is release. Hope, absolutely. What, what what happens when a, an animal has an emotional release? Oh my gosh, it's it's sometimes very profound. Sometimes it's very subtle. Mm-hmm. Here's a I'll tell you a story of Cupid. Cupid was a boxer that I'd seen in practice at another small town not too far from here, and she'd come in for her annual checkup and she'd be fine. She'd be licking my face, and she's just the most adorable dog ever. And then um, I got a call. I hadn't heard, I hadn't seen this client for quite a long time. I got a phone call from her one day and she says, Barb, she said, um, I hate to bring this up, but she says, I think I'm going to have to have Cupid put to sleep. Mm. I said, what's going on, Nan? She goes, um, Cupid is biting. She bit my son. She bit my son's friend. She's bitten my husband and she snapped at me. And I said, what's going on, Nan? And then she proceeded to tell me her story Mm. of she's getting a divorce from her husband. And um, there was total chaos in the family, just emotional, mental chaos. And the dog was picking up on that. And I said, Nan, we've got to get the family straightened out before Cupid can heal. And I do not want you to put her to sleep. Not yet. If we can't resolve this, that might be an option, but not right now. So I had her come into the office, and Cupid was sitting on Nan's lap and wouldn't leave her lap. And when I tried to come, you know, what I use, Jim, is essential oils. Mm-hmm. And I let, so the aromatherapy, I let the animals smell it. And I walked over to her with an essential oil, and she started to growl. And, and, and I thought, okay, well, I, what I did then was I handed Nan the bottle of oil, and I would have Cupid smell it. Mm-hmm. Like you said earlier, they n- tend to know what they need and want. Sure. So I probably had her sniff 10 to 15 oils. Hmm. And I'm just sitting on the floor cross-legged. I'm not in... So Nance- you're taking a very non-threatening, very... Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just a really uh, humble posture with the, with the correct. animal. Yep. Yeah. Just sitting there cross-legged. And after that, uh, what I want to say five or 10 minutes of sniffing those oils, she slowly, gingerly gets off of Nan's lap comes over and starts sniffing me, and I just let her sniff me. I, I acted not afraid of her. Mm-hmm. And I held some oils out to her myself and 
she started licking the oils right off the bottle to the top of the bottle. Hmm. And then the next thing she did was she sat on my lap. She curled up on my lap. Wow. On my lap, on the floor. Oh, wow. And I said, Cupid, you are amazing. There's no reason to bite. Your family will be fine. Your mom is fixing this. I actually said those words. Hmm. And she licked me again. And then she got up and walked back over to Nan. And uh, that dog never bit another person ever again. That's that's a beautiful story. I know. Story. Isn't that crazy? I love that. Yeah. It just makes your heart swell. Yeah, it does. Um, but there's a, a prime example. And, and and I should say too, Jim, that I could see her, you know, sometimes an animal will, will yawn. Sometimes they'll blink their eyes. Sometimes they will just look around like they're seeing a spirit or something. Mm. Um, and that's a release. That's, that's an emotional, the emotions are coming out. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Barb, there, you have referenced a, uh, a phrase about people um, that are animal communicators. Is that you? Are you, are you an animal communicator? I would say yes, but not to the point where I would do a session with a client because when I try to focus on it, it goes away. And a lot of times it's just letting go mm. without any interference from anybody outside um, and the answers will come to me. I had this at one time. We were missing one of our indoor cats. She had bolted out. This is when we lived on the old farm. Okay. And she was gone for probably, I want to say, two weeks. Okay. At but that I point, could, you're thinking she's but, something happened. Right. And I thought about calling an animal communicator, but I thought, I've been to a couple classes. I have done some classes. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to get totally out of my body, out of my mind. And some people meditate, and this is what I did. I kind of just sat back on a chair, put something dark over my eyes so I couldn't see any light, and I just got into that real quiet space. And I said, Sylvie, Sylvie, I've heard you crying. Where are you? And nothing was coming. I'm getting, oh, geez, you know. But then you can't force it. Mm. And I said, Sylvie, Mom wants you to come home. I'm really worried about you. And all of a sudden, I saw what looked like an old tree trunk next to a barn. Hmm. I'm like, a tree trunk next to a barn. Ah, the light pole was old. Mm -hmm. It kind of looked like a tree trunk. Oh, there's a hole in the milk house roof. And I'd have to show you a picture of this to understand it. But I went out there and I called Sylvie, Sylvie. Meow, meow. Yeah. She was, she'd gotten run off by some of the other cats and she was hiding in that, that old milk house. And when I fed them in the lower part of the barn, apparently she'd come out at night and eat. And it was just like, wow. And I don't discount animal communicators. I have had a few that I don't think really got it, but some of them, there's no way they could know that information. I know you have met some people that are truly almost, almost what psychic Right. right, exactly. With them, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a medium. It's, you know, they're a psychic medium. So I hope what is happening, if, if you've been listening to this podcast to this length here, is that, and if you, you, if you love pets, if you're a pet parent, that you are um, probably thinking about, man, I'd like to know more about Barb. You know, I know you've got courses, you've got consulting, you have, you're not limited to a practice that is in a hometown. You can do this across the country. And so, you know, this podcast is going to be listened to people across the country. So how would they get a hold of you? And again, just kind of talk about what you do, what you offer quick. Yeah. First of all, I'll tell you what I offer, Jim, because I think it's very important for people to understand that they can contact me about any medical issues or, you know, an emotional or a behavior issue with me. Um, by going to my website is Barb Fox DVM, like doctor of veterinary medicine, DVM.com, Barb Fox DVM.com. What I do is a form of telemedicine and telemedicine is very accepted Mm -hmm. in the human medicine realm and and is becoming a lot more popular with veterinarians. Mm -hmm. Um, we can either do a zoom call or we can do a phone call. As long as you can provide me medical records from whatever issue you want to talk to me about, that is just to satisfy the state veterinary license requirement that I have some documentation when we're not seeing, like I'm not seeing Marley in person. Sure. Um, You'd give me the medical records and then I can, and then I would talk to you, you know, before we talk on the phone about what diet, it's like a list of preliminary questions that I send people. 
And then once I get all that information together, we talk in more detail. And then I write, write up a written report. So we both have a written record for, um, you know, for you know, legal purposes. And so that I can understand or remember what I told you and sure. you can remember what I told you. I mean, it makes yeah. it an official, essentially a, a, an office visit across right. states. Right. <laughs> right I, I mean, I consult with people all over the country. Yeah. And that makes it nice, especially people who are looking for a holistic veterinarian but don't have one nearby and they want to consult, we can set one up. What if they're not looking for a holistic veterinarian, though? Well, um, they could still, I could still analyze what they're doing because I really encourage integrative medicine as much as possible. Integrative means you're using a mixture of conventional or traditional treatment along with the um, natural treatments. So if people, yeah, I mean, the reason I ask that that way is, is I think that hopefully people are hearing that you're a veterinarian. Mm -hmm. You do things differently that sets you apart. You have, and we didn't really talk about credentials today. We didn't talk about 30 years of you doing this stuff. We, you know, we didn't talk about those things, but your level of knowledge and understanding, and you are a consummate learner. You have to have the ongoing education, all these things, because you are I mean, a licensed veterinarian. The beautiful thing, Barb, that that I hope that people are picking up on is, is that whether it's integrative or holistic or however you want to describe it, you have a solution that is probably different because you're not just checking off a box, running patients through in a transactional kind of situation. Correct. Yeah. 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 That's your competitive advantage. That's why it doesn't matter if you're looking for, if you have a, a pet that has an issue that's going on, whether it's, like you said, behavioral or it's nutritional or, you know, they've got the, the allergy thing going on, the itchy, itchy coat, they need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'm hoping that they're hearing because you've got a different approach that is going to work. Well, and that different approach is a is a breath of fresh air for a lot of clients, Jim. Um, they're, sometimes I, I will recommend something they've never thought of before. Mm-hmm. And when they think about it and I explain why it's important to um, consider that, they go, oh, great, I had no idea. Especially, like, like for example, when I talk to people about um, conventional or commercial pet food and how it's processed, mm-hmm. and it can actually create... Uh, carcinogenic metabolites during the processing. And this is why I believe that so many of our animals are getting cancer. Mm. And when I present it like that, people go, oh, oh, I had no idea. It should be safe. It was on the shelf. Right. And mm. we have to get away from that mentality. Yeah. And so. Well, no, this is so good. So the links, of, what's another way? What's, what's people can contact you, obviously, through the website. Do you want to share an email? Do you want sure. to share your phone? And I'll put all of this in the description on the show notes so people will make Thank it easy. Thank you. Yeah, so my email is drb, like Dr. B, fox at yahoo.com. Yep. And my phone number is 563-380-0983. If you're interested, I'd love to talk with you. And I'd even give you like a... Uh, I like to talk to people to see if we're a good fit to work together. Yeah, for sure. And that way um, we're all on the same page. Okay. I've learned more about you today and it's, it's fun to just dive in. I know that um, it's been something of a journey for, for you is like, how do you differentiate? You know, how do you get the word out about what you do? And um, again, every time I talk to you, I just love to see the passion and your level of care come through. So Thank Thanks you. for being on the podcast. Hey, it's been fun, Jim. Thanks right. so much for asking me. It's yeah, been absolutely. an honor. Okay. Thanks. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Lead Through Values. Bye.